Hi, Rajudi here with Masachet Yoma, Parakimo Mishnah Yud. Once the Mishnah is on the topic of, well, it had been, to, it was trying to get to the topic of the two goats. But while it was there, it talked about somebody who made an improvement and made nice lotteries. So in its associative normal manner, the mission now moves over to a little discussion of things that people did and donated to the Beit HaMikdash. We will get back to the goats quite soon. So Ben Katin, Ben Katin took the Kiyor, the copper sink that the Kohanim would wash their hands and feet in. We've already mentioned the Kohen Gadol washing his hands and feet in there. And it had two spouts. It had two spouts. And he gave it 12 spigots. Ah, very nice. It makes it easier for more Kohanim to wash their hands and feet. And it's 12 tribes. It's a beautiful thing. This guy, Ben Katin, was all over the, uh, the sink and making sink improvements. So one of the issues is that if the sink is simply a tank, anything that sits out overnight in the Beit HaMikdash is now puzzle. It's now unfit for use the next day. So what he did was he figured out some sort of muchani, some kind of machine. It's not clear what this was. It was either some way of connecting the water in the tank to water that was in a cistern, which is okay to leave overnight. Uh, it's not drawn water. It's kind of, you know, the equivalent of mikvah water. It's a large pool and it's a cistern. Or it was something that made the water go back and forth and move. But the bottom line was, that the water in the tank was now no longer lost overnight. Now we get to Munbaz HaMelech. Munbaz is one of those names I just love. Wasn't getting anywhere suggesting to my wife that we consider naming a son Munbaz. But what a name. King Munbaz. He made all the handles of the Yom Kippur vessels out of gold. He donated from his treasury, from his you know, his wealth. He wanted to make the things in the Beit Hamikdash nicer, and Munbaz is thought of well as a uh, you know he was he was uh, very very appropriately respectful and loving of the Beit Hamikdash. Now his mother, he didn't come from nowhere. Munbaz's mother was also someone who loved the Beit Hamikdash and is well thought of. Heleni Heleni Imo, so Queen Heleni Heleni Hamalka. Um, I love this one. She made effectively a chandelier. Here was the issue. We mentioned in an earlier Mishnah that they would uh, offer the morning tamid most often as soon as the it became light enough when the sun is coming up. Ah, now it's time. Now there's a problem. The Beit HaMikdash is on an east-west axis and you're facing west when you're looking in the doors of the Beit HaMikdash. Now the sun rises in the east. So if you want to be able to offer the korban at the earliest possible moment, you basically need to turn your back to the Beit HaMikdash and look east to see, is it time? And we talked about somebody who was the kind of the town crier who would let everyone know, but people would around to see whether the sun has risen so they could offer the korban. Now, if you've ever seen people walk backwards away from the hotel, because we don't want to turn our back to the hotel, or in shul, kind of walk backwards because we want to face forward. So we don't want to turn our back on the holy and the holy of holies in order to be able to know, but there lies the problem. It's on an east-west axis, and we have to look east to know. So what she did was she hung a chandelier, she made a chandelier with a some sort of like a gem, like a diamond in it hanging in the front of the Beit HaMikdash. And the moment that the sun got just above the horizon, and now it was time to offer the korban, the light would come through and it would hit the... Um it would hit that gem and just, it would light up and everybody knew it's beautiful. If you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, they used a similar type theme in Tannis. But the idea here is that it was just, it was a beautiful addition. It made the Benedictish more beautiful, but it also allowed people to face towards the holy and not turn their backs to it. She also made a golden tablet on which the Parsha of Sota was written. Now, this is a little more complicated. In the event, and it's a longer topic if we, you know, at some point do Masachat Sota, but in the event that there is a situation that we're stuck, 
that a woman has done has been warned not to spend time alone with a specific man, and her husband is told, don't do this, but he does it anyway, and he warns her, don't go into private with that person, and she does it anyway in front of witnesses. So he shouldn't have warned her like that and shouldn't be trying to dictate. She also shouldn't be doing things that are highly suspicious. And she goes into private with a person she was warned in, in, you know, not to go into private with in front of witnesses, and they see it. So now we're stuck in an irreconcilable situation because there are real concerns about what may have happened and if there was suspected adultery here, but we have no way to really prove it. So what do we do? So this is one of the, perhaps the only supernatural mitzvah in the Torah, uh, but we have this thing where the Parsha of Sota, this paragraph of Sota, is written on a piece of parchment, then it's erased into the water and mixed with a little bit of dust from underneath the floor of the Beit HaMikdash, and Hashem promises that we will, we will get an answer. Now, uh, it's complicated, there's more detail to it, but for right now, the point is that they used to bring in a Torah scroll for the Kohen to copy this paragraph out of. And Eleni Amalka thought that that was not really appropriate, to be dragging Torah scrolls into the Beit HaMikdash for this sort of procedure. So she had the Parsha written down, this section written down on a tablet of gold, and that way the Kohen could copy from that and whenever there was a need for a Sota ceremony, unfortunately. Finally, Nikonor, Nikonor was one of three very, very wealthy men who supported Yerushalayim, according to the Gemara and Gittin, at its destruction time. And he wanted to donate to the Beit HaMikdash really nice doors. So he had doors made in Egypt, in Alexandria, that were wood coated in copper, it would seem. And they were quite beautiful. And he put them on a ship to bring them back to Israel. And as the ship is on its way to port, or on the way, there's a huge storm. Think Jonah. Think Yonah. And uh, the sailors are worried, and they throw one of the doors overboard. And oh, he spent all this money for the Beit HaMikdash, and they threw it overboard because it was heavy. And when they got to port in Akko, the Gemara says, the, uh, the door was actually floating behind them. It had followed them all the way there, and it wasn't lost, and it was a miracle that this, this door had made it. And they put the doors in the Beit HaMikdash. They're called Sha'are Nikonor, Nikonor's doors. And uh, such people were, were, were thought of highly. They were remembered for praise, Lishvach, because they had done really nice things for the Beit HaMikdash.